Hey Logo Geeks, I'm your host Ian Paget, and on this week's episode we're going to be chatting with Alina Wheeler about designing brand identities. Before we get into the interview I want to thank FreshBooks who have kindly sponsored this podcast. FreshBooks is an accounting software that makes it really easy to create great looking invoices in seconds. Go check it out for yourself and to do that FreshBooks have kindly given listeners of this podcast a free 30-day trial. To claim that all you need to do is visit freshbooks.com forward slash logogeek and be sure to enter logogeek in the how did you hear about us section. This week I'm excited to be chatting with Alina Wheeler, the author of one of my favourite books, Designing Brand Identity. This was one of the first design books I purchased probably around uh, five to six years ago and it gave me a real insight into how design agencies and companies carry out a branding process from start to finish and that information and the understanding it's given me of branding has also heavily influenced how I go about designing logos too. Since reading this book, I purchased and read uh, quite a significant volume of design books, but this is one that I frequently pull out and reference as it breaks down the branding process into easy to follow steps with really useful diagrams too that can even be shown to clients. It's one book I'm always recommending. So when I planned to do an episode of branding, Alina was the first name that came to mind. So I was really excited when she kindly agreed. So to talk about designing brand identities, I introduce you to Alina Wheeler. Everyone is branding now. Cities, countries, communities, even your kids' soccer team. So it's not just companies anymore. It's companies, it's everyone, big and small, profit and nonprofit. So then what is branding? It's a disciplined process. The purpose of the process is to fuel recognition, attract new customers, build employee engagements, build customer loyalty, and build and grow the business. So Another thing that branding is, is, is since a brand represents an organization's biggest and most valuable asset, branding is also about protecting that asset, right? I, I love what um, Debbie Millman said about branding. She said branding is deliberate differentiation. So from the perspective of of being a designer, of being on that branding team, you know, how do you help your client rise above the clutter and how do you help them grow and increase the value of their brand? You know, I initially wrote this book because I realized there weren't, there just was no agreement on what a brand was. There are hundreds of, you know, hundreds of um, definitions. And I've met a lot of really smart people, um, leaders of big organizations who wanted to know what branding was. And, and I'd often say, look, it's like accounting. You have to do it every single day. And yes, it's a complex discipline. It has a lot of little parts. But just please remember these four questions. 
because this to me is kind of the essence. So, and, and the companies, the organizations, or, you know, even the communities that can answer this, these questions have a, have a better chance to be successful. So who are you? Who needs to know? How will they find out? And why should they care? That's a fantastic explanation. As I know, this information may be new to some of the younger listeners in the audience um, who may be designing logos without the understanding of um, branding. Can you talk through what role a logo plays in branding? So here's what's so amazing. Logos are actually the fastest form of communication known to man. They fuel recognition. The best ones are vessels for meeting. And think of it, they are an essential, essential part of the entire kind of branding matrix. You know, whether they're used on an app icon, an email signature, a social post, a business card, um, a package, a tattoo, they're omnipresent. And what really astonishes me is even the smallest organizations have logos that if you were to count up how many times their logos appear across these touch points in any given year, it would be millions, millions and millions. So the best logos for me unlock the associations, unlock kind of the associations of the brand. And again, I love what Milton Glaser said. He said, the logo is the gateway to the brand. I love that. Could I ask you now to talk through the high level steps that you would take to design a brand identity? So I have developed a process that fits on one page. It has five phases. And I basically developed this process to build confidence, to build confidence in the solution, confidence in the people that are working on the brand, and also to just reduce the brand, what I call brand anxiety. So there are five phases. Each phase has a set amount of tasks, and you don't go on to the second phase until you finish the first phase. So um, kind of in a nutshell, the first phase is conducting research. The second phase is clarifying strategy. The third phase is designing identity. For me, kind of visualizing the future. Uh, the fourth phase is creating touch points. So you're creating a system there to achieve the right balance, maybe between flexibility and consistency. And the final phase I call managing assets. And that's really when the, the revitalized brand is launched to the world and the guidelines are made available to everyone that needs to know. These five steps are brilliant. And uh, what I'd like to do now is deep dive into a few of these uh, steps in, in the time that we have available. So let's start with the research phase. How do you go about carrying this out? Well, I like to think of research and the role that we 
or that you would play in the research phase. And I hope you think of yourself as a sleuth, a shrink, and a scientist. So you're looking for um, insights. You're looking for insights about the problem you're solving. You're looking to learn more about the customer, about your client, the competition, the marketplace. And you're, and what I like to, to think about too, is you're looking for the gold. And when it always astonishes me, I've worked on hundreds, hundreds of brand identity programs and systems. And it always astonishes me. You always find something that becomes an epiphany. So there are different parts. Uh, so as I said, each phase has a series of tasks. So one of the uh, tasks is auditing. So number one, you are collecting whatever information um, you can about that particular organization. So you request, make a request of your client, you give them a list. And not only do you look at things from the present, you also, if the company, if you're, if you're revitalizing, if you're redoing a logo, revitalizing the brand, you also want to request materials from that, from their future. So you will be conducting a marketing audit. So a marketing audit is also called an internal audit. And you are looking at all the touch points where the logo and the brand exist. You're looking at, uh, maybe you're looking at key messages. Maybe you're also looking at names. You're looking at all of the logos uh, an organization has ever had. Um, you're really taking a magnifying glass to how is this company presently communicating about itself. So while you're doing this internal audit, I always like to recommend doing a touch point diagram. So touch point diagram is a diagram where the brand is in the center. And then it has a number of spokes. And when you look at an organization, you say, wow, look at all the different ways that this organization is communicating about themselves across touch points. So throughout this uh, research process, you are collecting information that you're going to be using throughout the entire process. You're also going to do a competitive audit in which you're going to ask your client, could you identify three to five leading competitors? And again, you're going to go do a deep dive on how do those competitors leverage their branding to become more successful? How do those um, different touch points that the competitors use, how are, how are they different? What do they do really well? What can we learn from them? And where can we really dramatically differentiate ourselves from them? You're going to be um, conducting a series of interviews. So if it's a very small engagement, um, maybe you're only interviewing four or five people. You're interviewing the founder. Maybe uh, 
the CFO or the uh, customer service person or the salesperson. And you are going to be asking them a series of questions. Number one, you're going to start to build confidence because you're going to ask some really good questions. And the other thing that you're going to do, and it kind of sounds like blinding flesh of the obvious, is you're really going to sit back and listen. So if you ask some questions and people hesitate, just sit back, give it some space, and they'll come back to you with a really thoughtful answer. So what kinds of questions do you want to ask? It's kind of like, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, why should your customers choose your brand over others? What do you do better than your competition? What keeps you up at night? You know, tell me about your customer. Tell me about the needs that you are fulfilling. You know, and during these, these interviews, you also have an opportunity to reinforce why this organization has chosen to rebrand themselves. You always want to make sure that everyone is working toward the same three goals. So number one, you're listening, you're building confidence, you're taking notes. I love to just uh, record a conversation and have it transcribed. And you're going to, at some point, pull out some really amazing things that come out of these interviews. When you learn more about uh, who the customers are and how this particular organization is structured, you're going to be able to create a stakeholder diagram. So again, it's a great diagram. You're going to use it throughout the process. And it's basically, you know, the brand is in the center and a series of circles surrounding that brand. And it's the customer, the prospect, maybe it's the board, maybe it's a, a government agency, the media. So companies are, are always, you know, companies of two people, companies of 10,000 people. They love these diagrams because decision makers very rarely kind of see at a glance who the stakeholders are, um, what the touch points are. So, so these audits, you're really evaluating the present state of the brand. You're also doing whatever you can to gain insight into the customer. Um, some companies, even if they're really tiny, are going to have some research about their customer that they can share with you. Sometimes I like to do something called mystery shopping, where I put myself into um, the body of the customer, you know, so I order a product and then I see how easy it is. Um, you know, I see what the customer service is like. I see what opening the package is like. I see what the follow through is like. So I get a lot of insights in being a mystery shopper. You know, there are levels of research as, as projects get more complex. And I don't think we have time to review them, but things like usability um, research is one of them. 
You, you know, the other thing that I did mention is before you do the interviews, educate yourself about this organization. Read whatever you can from, you know, customer reviews to their website to, again, give your clients the confidence that you've done your homework and you're listening deeply to, to what they're trying to achieve. At the end of this research phase, you're going to do something called an audit readout. And, uh, and maybe, if you're really lucky, you could, you could uh, create a war room. So sometimes even small companies have a room where you could put the entire audit up on the walls. It's kind of fun to walk management through. But what I usually do is I usually create an 11 by 17 booklet, and I also project everything on the wall. So you say, Alina, booklet, paper, really? Um, but I found that um, everyone loves to, during the presentation, everyone gets ideas. They want to write all over the audit. So um, I want you to do that. So basically, you are synthesizing your learnings. You are sharing your epiphanies. You are quoting some of the people that you've interviewed with things that they've said, you know, big pull-out quotes. And I've been doing this for a long time, and I'm always amazed and surprised at, at what I can get from an interview. Um, you know, face-to-face -face is a luxury, as Susan Bird says, that few of us can afford. But if you can do it face-to-face -face with the founder or your client, I strongly recommend it. So that's kind of, in a nutshell, um, what the research phase is. So you're capturing your client's vision. You're looking at the present state of the brand and all the touch points. So your job as a designer is you know, you're part of that team that's going to help brand the future. And by doing all of this homework, you can anticipate the future in a much better way. I just want to take a short break to tell you about FreshBooks, who have sponsored this podcast and made it possible. When I started Logo Geek, it was a side venture. I was taking on logo projects only now and again, and I was doing all my invoices in InDesign and managing my profits and expenses in Excel. But when I went freelance, I was taking on more projects and this just simply wasn't working for me. It just took too long and it started to get a little bit messy too. I found FreshBooks to be the perfect solution as I could quickly and easily create great looking invoices in seconds. And I also had clear visibility on my profits and expenses too. To take a look for yourself, FreshBooks are kindly given uh, listeners of this show a free 30-day trial. To claim that, all you need to do is visit freshbooks.com forward slash logogeek and make sure to enter logogeek in the how did you hear about us section. Now let's get back to the interview. Okay, so let's move on to the next step clarifying strategy what happens within this step 
Well, basically what happens in that step is you get everyone, right? The decision makers to agree on, on what the brand is, what it stands for and how it's different. So this phase is very hard, but it's something that if you do this phase, you will start your whole process. You're starting from a position of strength. So let me go backwards. Organizations that know who they are and why they're different begin any branding from a position of strength. So in my earlier career and early on, I had a very, very, um, I had a design office and I didn't use a disciplined process and I didn't sit down, you know, with this process map and say, well, here we are in the process, right? As a designer, as soon as you shake the hand of a prospective client, you're already designing in your mind, right? Because designers are amazingly intuitive. But you have to hold on to it. Do not, do not begin to design or share the design until after you're absolutely certain that your client has been clear about their brand fundamentals. So I've had clients that have given me like a 300-page deck and said, well, do you want to understand our brand? You know, this is what it is. Well, that's, excuse me, I'll just use the word baloney. Um, so I developed this tool called the brand brief. And the brand brief is not a creative brief. It's the brand brief. It's a simple one-page diagram. Again, I put it on an 11 by 17 piece of paper. This is not a Word doc. This is not an email. I'm going to project it on the screen. And I'm going to, for the first version of it, record what I heard from the interviews and the research that I had done. And I'm going to make it visual, right? I'm going to make it visual because I'm beginning as a designer to kind of get a feel for what the customer looks like or what the brand could feel like. So this simple one-page diagram has the following components. Again, it's just one sentence or two. Core purpose. Why do they exist, right? Beyond just making money. Why do they exist? Audience. Who are their customers and what do they need? You know, so describe very, very briefly their, um, the way they define their customers. Personality attributes. So you want to you wanna agree ahead of time whether they want to be shallow and edgy or buttoned up or, you know, uh, you, you want to really start to talk about their personality products or services. So any company, you know, they're going to have three or four top three products or services. Um, proof points. So a proof point to me is um, why they will be successful. You know, and it's everything from, you know, I don't know, a product went viral or, 
you know, just read our customer reviews or, um, you know, we've gotten additional funding. We're kicking it up to this next level. Uh, it's also really important in terms of to kind of record the values. So I, I didn't talk at all in the interviews. Um, you want to kind of get a sense of what the culture is of the organization. So you want to put down what are the values that hold this organization together. And, you know, there are organizations like Moo that do a terrific job of um, communicating about their values to their employees and their customers. And then um, value proposition. So what, you know, what are the benefits? So, you know, are they functional? Uh, are they social? Or are they emotional? And so all of these things are described with just one or two lines. And then there are some visual elements. And then maybe there is a central positioning or kind of larger big idea that you can begin to communicate here. So you present this and you think, wow, you know, 500 words, how hard could it be? Slam, bam, thank you, ma'am. But actually, this document engenders the best conversation because it's one page. And again, depending on the size of your client, um, maybe you'll go through two or three versions, but you'll really engage them into being completely clear about who they are, right? Earlier on, before I developed this process, I had a fairly large design studio, wonderful, wonderful studio. And we'd go into these meetings and we would show what we thought were solutions, you know, based on a lot of kind of intelligence gathering. And then you'd always have someone at the meeting go, well, that's not who we are. You know, that's not who we are. So I think the brand brief is a great tool. I like to think of this as the campfire. Let's all get around the same campfire and be really clear at the highest, simplest level what this brand is about. So as a designer, you're like chomping at the bit. And then, again, this is not the creative brief. The creative brief has to do with the project itself, the constraints of that project. You know, uh, the creative brief is gonna say, we're gonna look at three applications. So again, I just don't know, Anne, when you design a logo, do you show that logo applied to a company's like three main touch points? Um, yeah, what I tend to do is I, I typically mock up the logo um, on a number of different things. It, it's not specific touch points as such, but uh, what I try to do is like mock it up on say like a business card, on a t-shirt, on a billboard or on a building or something like that. Um, because I, I mean, I've always found that it's easier for the client to actually visualize how that's going to look at the end. Because um, if you can imagine, no one ever looks at a logo on a white piece of paper, do they? <laughs> no, no, no. And that's smart. You want to, you want to present the logo as if it already exists, mm -hmm. you know? So I'm so happy that you did that. 
but I would love if you would also use the touch point diagrams. And when you're meeting with your decision makers, say, okay, here are all your touch points. And everyone goes, wow, wow, wow. But then what are the top three? Which ones are the most important ones to grow your business? And again, that's a tool that you keep on using. So in summary, clarifying strategy. So sometimes uh, in the strategy phase, something is renamed. Or sometimes, um, you know, in the research, you'll find an old tagline, you know, that was used like 30 years ago. And, and you say, let's bring this back. So when you're doing that internal audit, you want to look at the earliest stuff from the brand communications because there might have been something really brilliant that everybody completely forgot about, you know, and you have an opportunity to put a spotlight on it and say, wow, you might want to resuscitate this. Mm. I think that step is definitely useful. And I think it's probably a part that a lot of people miss um, because like you said, you're essentially taking the research and communicating it back in some way to the client to actually all agree what the direction is forward. And I think it saves a lot of time. Now, I know we could keep talking through these different steps with conscious of time. Um, so I want to um, talk about your book. I understand that the fifth edition is due out in November. Could you talk through what's new in this edition? Yes, I would be happy to. So, yes, it is coming out in November in uh, Europe. Uh, it's coming out in mid-October in the U.S. So this edition is the best ever. Over 40, uh, over 50% of the content is revised and new. Uh, there are 33 new case studies, everything from Mozilla to the city of Melbourne, hundreds of new kind of best practices that demonstrate um, the intersection of really smart strategy and brilliant design. Um, so I've reached out kind of around the world to the best designers, uh, to in-house teams, to companies, and to really find those places where the brands marry intelligence and insight with imagination and craft. And again, uh, Connie Birdsall really said that, the best brands marry intelligence and insight with imagination and craft. But that's kind of a compass for me. So the new content is organized exactly in the same way as the earlier editions. One spread per subject and a lot of new subjects. Intellectual property, content strategy, brand governance, uh, just a lot, a lot. And I'm so excited because this is the best ever. I can't wait to read it. I'm quite excited about it because um, I've currently got the um, third version. Now, I'm, I'm going to talk um, briefly about like when I when I first picked up a copy. Um, I got mine about five years ago. When I first read it, I was thinking if I wanted to do everything in this book, it's going to take um, quite a substantial amount of like investment from the client. And it would need quite a lot of people as well. Um, so I'd like to ask you, like, as a freelancer, 
in my case at the moment, I'm working on logos, but I would like to start branching out into um, branding projects. And I've, I've taken inspiration from your book so far. What advice can you give to people like myself um, for using the principles in your book? Like, how would, they, how would they go about starting that without having access to a bigger team? Uh, number one, in my book, I'm showing some work from single practitioners. So I know a lot of single practitioners that use the book. And the book is very helpful because you can say, wow, I'm going to interview the CEO tomorrow. So you go to the page and there are a list of possible uh, questions. Oh, I'm going to do a touch point diagram. So you go to the page where the touch point diagram is. So you can do it yourself. It's just not going to be as deep and broad but everything really depends on the size of the organization that you're working with. It depends on what kind of internal team they have. So there were times when I was a single practitioner that I worked very closely with the internal team. So the internal team helped create uh, the audit. So I believe in order to do really responsible work that's going to be sustainable, that you should trust the process. So what I'm so thrilled about is who uses this book. And it's everyone from the single designer to the big design and brand consultancy to a lot of clients to kind of remind them of all these fundamentals. You know, a lot of us, you know, I wrote this book initially so that designers could have a seat at the table, right? Eye to eye across from the marketers and they would be respected because they understood the bigger purpose of the work, what impact the work would have, and and the fact that, you know, it's, re it's really, for me, making the work the hero, making the client the hero, you know, so how do you do that? So I'm, again, I created this book because I was so frustrated by what existed, and there were a lot of really brilliant design books done by a lot of my great friends. There were a lot of huge strategy books. But there, there were no books that basically said, here's a step-by-step -step process. And this is the process. Whether you are a startup, whether you're a nonprofit, whether you're a museum, whether you're an investment banking firm. So throughout this book project, I've interviewed thousands of people. And at the end of the day, this is the process that everyone uses. Sometimes they, they um, call the phases differently, you know, so they might call uh, clarifying or conducting research discovery, you know, but, but personalize it and, uh, you know, post-it note or tag, you know, the, uh, the spreads that work for you. I also believe that a lot of clients don't understand the complexity of the project, of, anything, you know, designing a package, designing a, 
collateral program. And so I have a process section in which I deconstruct every single little thing that you have to do. So what is my hope? My hope is that designers, design firms, brand consultancies use this information to write a better contract. And my, my other hope is that clients use, use this resource to educate their, their staff and maybe gain some insights into the intersection of brand strategy and design excellence. I think why I love this book is that um, the first time I read it, even though, like I did say, I do feel that it's for larger teams, I did get a lot out of it myself, especially when I first started. And it is definitely suitable for everyone from, you know, people like myself working on my own, right up to people with, a, a you know, a staff of 100 people. So you've done a fantastic job of that. And, and also, the, I'll just... Uh, tell you something really funny. So people think, oh, book, I have to read it front to back. But absolutely not with this book. Look at the table of contents in the front. You know, jump into the case study you want to read or jump into the one-page description of what you need to know about intellectual property. So it, it's it's a resource. It's not like, you know, reading it from front to back. Mm -hmm. So. I think that's important. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, I, I read it when um, when I first bought it about five years ago and I picked it out off the shelf and, you know, flicked to certain pages, um, you know, just, just to see some of the diagrams in there because they're incredibly useful. Um, some of the questions are, or all of the questions in there are really useful, but it is a very good reference book. Now, can I ask you, uh, what one piece of advice uh, would you give to uh, designers just starting out with branding? Breathe. Just breathe. <laughs> not, not. So my one piece of advice is to talk about ideas and concepts and, and don't talk about the design. Mm -hmm. So find ways that you can build trust with your clients, by being a good listener, by showing them a roadmap for the process that you're going to use. So um, I think that's more than one, <laughs> but maybe it really is just breathe. And, you know, designers uh, love what they do. I've never met a designer that wasn't passionate about what they do so um keep on following your passion keep on following it the best thing that you could do in the world fantastic final words of wisdom alina thank you so much for being on the podcast it's been great chatting and i appreciate you for sharing so much value here you're welcome talk to you soon bye bye so many great takeaways. Alina, thank you so much for being such an amazing guest. For those that haven't already read it, I highly recommend picking up a copy of Alina's book, Designing Brand Identity. If you've enjoyed this episode, you'll love that book and I can't recommend it enough. Show notes for this episode can be found at logogeek.uk forward slash podcast 10. And that will include a few nice diagrams that Alina has kindly uh, provided for you. 
If you'd like to talk about this episode and also meet over 1,000 other logo designers from around the world, make sure to join the Logo Geek community on Facebook. And to join that, just visit logogeek.uk forward slash community. This episode wraps up the 10-part season one of the Logo Geek podcast. It's been quite the journey, and I'm so thankful to the incredible guest, and I mean, more importantly to you, who's taken the time to listen to this now. I really appreciate you, and I'm so thankful for your time. It's been such a great experience personally, so I'm pleased to tell you that I've already started planning a second season which I hope will be even better than this one. So for now, I'll see you in the community. But if not, you'll hear from me again in a few months. So I'll see you soon.